millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. Hello and welcome to The Tonight Show. The Taoiseach Micheál Martin joins us live to discuss the big issues as the country faces a continuing COVID crisis with six Omicron variant cases now detected here. Chaos at some COVID vaccination centres today. Health officials say sorry for long queues for those awaiting booster jabs. We fully appreciate and apologise that people did have to queue for long periods of time, trying to accelerate and get through as many people as we possibly can. You can get in touch with us on Twitter on our hashtag TonightVMTV. tonight. I'm joined by Antishak Michal Martin. Antishak, you're very welcome to the programme tonight. Thank you very much. Um, I want to start with the issue of the Omicron variant and the fact that six cases have been confirmed in the country this evening. Now, we know that the, the UK data is showing that it's doubling there every two or three days. So it is likely, we know, and the HSE have said that it's likely to become the dominant uh, variant. How concerned are you? Well, we're always concerned when a new variant of this kind emerges and when the early, early data information was saying, you know, so many mutations has the potential to escape vaccine and also to be more infectious and transmissible than Delta even. Uh, so I think we have to wait for really consolidated, updated scientific advice. But what we are hearing so far is that it does have a... Um, uh, an advantage over Delta in terms of uh, its, its infectiousness and its capacity to infect, but also maybe maybe uh, less severe in its impact, but we don't know that for sure. I do know, talking to the President of the Commission and others, and we've heard from Pfizer's, that they are now saying that the mRNA vaccines mm. uh, will give you protection against severe disease or illness from uh, Omicron. Uh, but that said, I think we do need more data. Um, and uh, I think the, the key message really is uh, that vaccination does help you uh, in terms of avoiding severe illness, hospitalisation or admission to intensive care units. And certainly against Omicron, uh, the faster we can get the booster rolled out uh, and, and the importance of the booster and giving you that extra protection course, is key. We still are, as you say, uh, to see how this all plays out here, here in the Northern Hemisphere at least. Um, on foot of that in the past few minutes, you've issued new advice on travel. Um, can you relate to us what the situation is now, what you're advising um, regarding our current situation and international travel? Well, we're going to follow by and large, generally the European Union approach. But that said, we are saying to people coming in from Great Britain, for example, that you should now take five uh, consecutive uh, tests of antigen uh, the five days after you arrive back an antigen test every day. Um, and that you should exercise a very high degree of caution when you are traveling, that your vaccination status is important. If you have the opportunity to get the booster before you travel, you should uh, take it before you travel. Uh, and to adopt 
uh, a very cautious um, okay. approach. And no, we're not going to, I think I take your point and WHO have said, you know, you know we're not going to stop Omicron, but we can try and delay it as best we, uh, as best we can. Um, and that's yeah, just that an addition. That was my question. Measure. It's already here. Mm -hmm. So, you know, by well, curbing taking, international travel, what are we doing? We're not curbing. We're, we're, we're taking steps to, I think, protect okay. people and to say to people, look, be conscious of this. Uh, slowing it down, uh, getting the booster out, um, I think will, will give us added protection. Okay. We have, we've over 1.1 million who've now had the booster, uh, all in the older age cohorts predominantly and among the immunocompromised and those with underlying conditions, okay. which will give us additional protection. When, when will the, that, that required That's advice. That's testing. advice. To, it's public advice. It's not regulatory. Okay, so we're giving this advice as government to the public. So you don't have to do it? But I think what we're saying to people, I mean, people do ad adhere to public health advice. It's not going to be uh, putting it put into law in terms of the tests. We're going to have to trust people in respect of taking So they, they don't have to do be it. professionally administered? Uh, no, and when you come back, you should, you should do it. You take it yourself, yeah. Um, but, so when uh, you arrive from Great Britain, you come home, you have yeah. the, the, to, to your advising, family. The advice is to take... You don't have to isolate or that, but you, you do if have, you have to, symptoms, to you, self you isolate, of course, if you have symptoms. But if you don't have symptoms, we're saying to take an antigen test. Just an additional... Uh, precaution um, in, in, in respect of that. But um, and I think and that, that's on, on top of what already um, has been announced in respect of And that. just from Great Britain? Just from Great Britain, yeah. And, and why Because there'd be a higher volume of travel between Great Britain and Ireland. It, this is uh, the, the, the rationale behind that. OK, but if you're coming from the States, you're coming from Australia or anywhere else... Well, again, no there are existing, uh, uh, as you know, uh, regula regulations in respect of that in terms of having your, your test 48 hours beforehand. Uh, coming in from other locations. But it's just an additional sort of precautionary measure that people should take. And we're just saying to people uh, to be very aware of, 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 of Omicron. Omicron, what's uh, out there? OK, um, on, that, on that front today, you couldn't rule out further restrictions before Christmas. What will decide it for you? Well, so first of all, I think we, we have already decided, NEFIT did provide uh, comprehensive advice uh, before the weekend. Uh, and on that, then we made the announcement in respect of accepting that advice um, out to the 9th of January. Obviously, we'll follow um, the, the scientific advice in respect of what's happening to Omicron uh, over the next while in terms of additional updating from the WHO, from ECDC, from our own uh, public health advice, CMO and so forth, in respect of the likely impact of Omicron. That's okay. the, but other than that, I think the, the fact that we have vaccination this year uh, means it's different to last okay. year. But there are restrictions that are in place yeah. and we know they're going to be re reviewed on the 9th of January. But in the run-up to Christmas, what about further restrictions? We're, this not is contemplating, we're not contemplating that at the moment, but when I'm asked a question, if I'm ever asked a question, can you rule out... I can never rule out anything in respect of, of the pandemic because it has had the capacity in the past to throw up new developments and twists and turns. Um, so that, that is why I give an honest answer when people say, can you rule out any more restrictions? Uh, and I can't simply say definitively that I can because we know from the past that we've had to move uh, you know, quickly. And that's yeah. just the reality. And I, si and that's I just simply been an say this because if you say now there may or may not be restrictions, I can't rule it out, not contemplating it, but at the same time can't rule it out. There are people who are, it's two weeks away from Christmas, so know, people are actively planning what they're going to do on Christmas Day, who they're going to meet up with, what households they're going to go to, what they've planned in the run-up on the 20th, on the 21st. Um, and, and they'd like to know if there are going to be further I know, but we don't, as of now, we're not contemplating any additional restrictions. And we've already announced the plan out to the, the 9th of January. Um, but when, when that question is asked, we know from previous 
times during this pandemic that we've had to, to change course. But I don't envisage it, but uh, we have a new variant uh, on the scene, so we have to be cautious about that. We will uh, get updated scientific mm. advice in terms of how infectious it is, how transmissible, what impact will it have on people in, in terms of severity of illness? Uh, will it be milder, for example? All of that will play into our consideration. Because NEFID, of course, are, are meeting tonight. There will be more coming from that meeting and you will hear more in the coming days and likely more cases of Omicron, um, which, yeah, which well, may look, decide matters for you. Yeah, and public health will advise, government will decide uh, on, on foot of that advice. And, and um, uh, that is the position. What is the plan B? When you say, what is the plan well, B? I well, mean, the... Well, what's the strategy? So if there are to be... What we had during lockdown was we had stages, we had phases. We knew what, what may happen next or even coming out of lockdown, we knew what the stages were. What are the stages here in terms well, of restrictions? No, we're, we're, are we likely to see a pullback now in household visits if, if needs be, be it before Christmas or post-January? No, I, I think, first of all, I would say this, that we are in a much different position to last year, simply because we have a much higher level of vaccination in the population. And the fact that Ireland is one of the highest levels of vaccination in Europe gives us significant protection. Now, the, the first doses of vaccines are beginning to wane in, in, in people, depending when you got the vaccine. Mm. That's been followed up by the, the, the booster dose, which is the primary protection we have against Omicron and against yes. the, the virus. I have to stress that uh, vaccination is key because we know from the statistics the data And we know we that, know that vaccine, vaccine message has been very strong. We will yeah. come on to that. But just in terms of a strategy and looking ahead to next but, but, year, yeah. we have a new variant now. And, and, and people would like to know, say there are well, restrictions three, in place now. What, where, would the where would the path the lead was us? Making, what are the next steps? Yeah, the point I was making, because of vaccination, we will be dealing with this differently um, and in so? term, because well at the first stage we didn't know what we were dealing with in the, the beginning of the pandemic so there was a full lockdown uh, so I think now we're going to look at this because we, are, we have a largely vaccinated population the booster has been rolled out that will give protections and that governs then how we organise society. So that means so the likes to, of I mean, closing down nightclubs early reducing the number of no, household think, but, visits yeah you know we do have a vaccinated population and we're doing these things. Uh, but hold on no we, the, the economy is far more open society is far more open now uh, because of vaccination. The economy is, is the fastest growing economy in Europe in Q3. Yes. Fastest growing by a long margin. The point I'm making is let's not underestimate the degree to which we have opened society and we have opened large parts of the economy from construction I'm, to retail right across the board. I guess what I'm trying uh, to get at, if uh, you can't rule out further restrictions, what might those further restrictions be? But I'm not going to speculate on that kind of thing. No, I was asked a very straight question. I gave a very honest answer. I'm not, you know, we, at no stage am, am I going to rule out uh, yeah. the possibility. But we but don't, don't know what, but we don't, know what no, they may no, be. But we don't envisage yet. it because I think you're into the, into the realm of, of, of speculation in terms of the course of, of, of Omicron, for example, which is the, is the key ingredient here. Uh, I think the, suffice to say that vaccination is going to be important. We will have the capacity to uh, develop new vaccines mm -hmm. within 100 days to meet new variants. Just say we have antivirals coming onto the scene now. That's a good development, so the medicines are going to get better. I actually think 2022, I'm hopeful in terms of how we'll deal with COVID. I think we're going through this difficult period now because of the arrival of a variant, uh, which has caused concern because of the number of mutations and so on and all the aspects of it. But that said, I think we have a lot more now in our armory than we had 12 okay. months ago. And the research is continuing. Uh, Europe is working well together uh, in terms of advances in medicines. Okay. 
and in vaccines. And that's what gives me hope. You've mentioned this uh, key measure to control cases um, and to control variants is the vaccine booster campaign. This morning, hundreds of people queuing for that booster shots at several centres. They had to be turned away. Well, this coming days... Well, they, well, they yep. did, and we know that. And the, you know, we, we were there and we reported on it, and we, we've got the pictures, and people have given their reaction to turning up at, at seven and eight in the morning and, and uh, being turned away a couple yep. of hours later. But this is all off the back of you saying that, that, that there is a, a lack of urgency. Um, you know, the, the message is there's a lack of urgency, you need to go and get boosted. People show up to get the jab and they have to be turned away. Yeah, well, first of all, at 33 vaccination centres today, I regret very much and we apologise to those who had to be turned away today in the UCD facility in particular where they, and there's a number of reasons, the HSE wanted to accelerate the uptake of the vaccine. So they went for, uh, you know, the walk-in vaccination process at the beginning of, 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 of the day today. Normally they were doing it at the end. They've opened it up to uh, a number of different cohorts at the one time, mm. uh, all with, an, with the aim and objective of getting more people vaccinated more quickly. So the objective was a good one. Um, and unfortunately, but. In, yeah, but in UCD, it was particularly difficult and challenging. But in many other centres across the country, it was busy, uh, but calm, and a lot of people got well, we vaccinated. Have, we have and we that. also have new channel, channels as well, obviously, with the pharmacies mm. and, and GPs and vaccination centres. Mm. Um, but the point I was making uh, on Tuesday in the Doyle was to really or say to people, the primary weapon we have against this virus and the new variant is the booster vaccine. Uh, and I was saying simply at the time, uh, as I, and I picked this up from people out in, in, involved, okay, in terms of uh, both in the HEC and elsewhere in the, mm. vac uh, the vaccination team, uh, that the same urgency didn't appear to be there as was in the first and second dose. That said, now hold on, I have to get this the balance picture. That said, 1.1 million people have now been vaccinated. I really want to emphasise the importance of getting vaccinated. That's the key message. Yeah, I just it think, really is. I, I, and, I think yeah. many people watching would be irked again that it's down to personal responsibility in this sense of you're not giving it all, you're not going out and getting the booster jab, and yet no, no, when no, they turn up, no, there are no. system failures in place. Well, in fairness, 1.1 million people have been vaccinated. And I do, we do regret what happened today, and we want to get as many done as we possibly can as quickly as we can. Um, and it's not that wasn't a... Uh, sort of blame thing or anything like that. It was simply to say to people, you know, if, if this is, I think Paul Reid put it very well today, this is probably the most important appointment that we all need to fulfil when we get it uh, in relation to the booster. And um, okay. I think to be fair to the HSE, I do want to pay tribute to them. I think it's been a, it's been a long pandemic. They're on the front line for a long time. Yep. They have to go at it again in terms of the booster vaccine. Testing and tracing is now at the PCR test, 225,000 yep. a week uh, to be ramped up to 250,000 a week. And of course, it's, it's going to get busier because we've got the, the, the COVID vaccines for children coming in as well. Yes. The HSE says the first delivery of that should arrive here next week. Um, will vulnerable children, those with underlying conditions, be in a position to get uh, the vaccine before Christmas? Well, again, that will be decided. The HSC and the Department of Health are working on a plan, a comprehensive plan uh, to announce in relation to the vaccination um, of, of, of children. Um, and I think we have to do that in a very um, sensitive way. There has to be a good conversation mm -hmm. with parents. There has to be proper information, comprehensive information provided to parents. Um, so this will be done differently to the adult vaccination programme and the actual timelines have yet to be determined and I want to wait. So we don't, we don't have dates yet because we we've known it's got EMA approval, it's got NIAC approval now, we've well, been aware of when it's going to come actually, into the country. The understanding prior to the, you, you're bringing it forward would be that it would be early January uh, because they were meant to come a week later 
Europe accelerated it only last week. It's coming forward on the 15th. Now the doses are coming into the country. Um, and NIAC have produced its advice this week to the HSE, which it now has to operationalise in terms of those children with underlying conditions. And I, I think the, the HSE will do everything it possibly can to fulfil that advice. But I think we want to do it in a comprehensive way, not in a bitty way. Yeah. Uh, just think, would you be hopeful there would be families watching who have children who are maybe cocooning for two years? Very difficult situations. We would be. Those underlying illnesses that have really, you know, from their point of view, absolutely. something like a, a, getting a vaccine yeah. would be a priority and really important. And, and when they're in the country, to be, to be in a position to get vaccinated, that, that would be very welcome to happen yeah, we as would, soon as possible, that there's an we, urgency there. We will do it as quickly as we possibly can. Uh, and to be fair to the HSE and to the vaccination task force, uh, since the inception, I think they have run a very, very good vaccination programme. Yeah. And I think we should have faith and trust in them. The logistics, this creates a new logistical mm. challenge um, for the HSE in terms of how this gets organised. Yeah. I do think we should give them the time to come up with a comprehensive plan, announce it, uh, in a comprehensive way, and but above all... When, will, um, when should we expect that? I think it will be in the next week uh, or so, yeah. OK. Yeah. Um, just on the, on the plan, you mentioned the communications being really important there and the information campaign for parents being important. What do you say to some parents tonight who would say it's mostly a mild illness, it's already maybe run through our family because we know about the, the, the high rates in children in that age group and they don't think a jab is necessary? Well, I think, first of all, um, I... In my view, in terms of the administration of any vaccination programme, um, we have to take on board the advice from uh, clinicians' expertise in vaccination. I believe in vaccination generally as one of the great developments in modern medicine in terms of saving societies and people from very uh, life-threatening and And we know diseases. the compliance rates have been um, very high here, Ireland, but those yes. valid so questions would say that to, parents Yeah, I would, would say have. to parents, to, that's what I meant earlier about you know, a, a good, solid, informed conversation. Go to your GP, uh, read the documentation that will come in relation to the vaccination programme. The GPs Remember, will be going, no, not more work on would, us, you know. No but, no, but sorry, in terms of children, particularly with, yeah. with conditions or whatever okay. like that, that sort of conversation does happen naturally anyway in but, terms of vaccination programmes. But also... Um, I, I would make the point that in terms of you take measles, for example, yeah. you know, there, there's many, quite a number of conditions that we vaccinate against um, that, you know, you know if, if we didn't, OK, we, yeah. we could have not everybody getting um, ill and so on. But remember, COVID is a deadly disease. Mm. Even among young people, it can cause significant damage and long COVID and so forth. Karina uh, Butler, I thought last evening, explained yeah. it well. The balance has now shifted. The 5 to 11-year-olds are the highest numbers now in terms of um, uh, getting COVID. Uh, and I think wherever you get higher volumes, that can be challenging. <clears throat> well, part of the messaging be that um, we know it's a mild illness generally in children. This is for wider society. Well, I think that, the, 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 again, I'm not going to preempt uh, the, the comprehensive messaging that would have to be associated with this. I'd much prefer medical personnel to do that and to explain uh, to parents uh, the importance of, of the vaccination program for children uh, and for wider society, but particularly for children as well, to prevent them uh, getting COVID-19. OK, on the subject of children, one of the key mantras was schools are safe. You're quoted repeatedly as saying schools are safe places for our children. Uh, we heard it over and over again from you and from the Education Minister, Norma Foley. Are you sorry that the government asserted that position, given the blow-up in cases among that young age group? But sorry, the government asserted that on foot of public health advice. I mean, we were told consistently uh, that schools 
uh, are safe places for children, even in the context of the pandemic. So and just hold on a second. And also we were told that the bulk of transmission was in the community. Now, I do accept the point that it can be very difficult to define where one actually picks up the infection in the first instance. But what was interesting in presentations from public health is actually during the midterm break, uh, numbers went up uh, very significantly. And actually the CMO will still say to you today, and he has said it to me, um, that uh, you, you're less likely uh, to, to transmit the disease in schools than because of the regulated environments that they are, than you would outside. People listening in will say, regulated environments? Look at this, you've got classrooms, you know. Relative to those outside, okay? Oh, And I even had an interview earlier tonight with with someone who's very uh, au fait with the situation in children. And it's not, you know, it's it's much more controlled in a school environment than outside of a school environment. Now, this is... The public health advice. Yes, I know, uh, but you've all, there's also been just just that. just on this, okay? Um, I, and and again, I know you'd say yeah. schools are an essential service. Many people w- will say that. Parents will say that. Children themselves, they they know it's an important well, place to be. Are you I, sorry that not all mitigation measures were brought in because masks are being brought in now? You've said that HEPA filters will be available for schools that need it, and um, we had contract tracing in place. Then it was removed. Are you sorry, given the importance you place on education? that these mitigation measures were not in place. But again, we followed public health advice all the way on schools and education. I know, but I'm asking you, I suppose I'm I'm not asking Neffet or not asking Dr Tony Goulahan. But you can't separate, like we have to work in accordance with public health, especially in relation to children and schools. You know, it's not something that I make up or invent in terms of how best to organise schools in the middle of a pandemic. Um, And the decisions were taken at the time in relation to contact tracing, uh, for for example, which again was on on, on foot of public health health advice in in relation to that. Um, And, you know, masks were brought in for second level. Um, There was concerns and there still would be concerns about masks for younger children. So these, I I mean, I don't think it's a case of saying, you know, are we sorry, did we do X and Y earlier? Uh, As you evolve throughout the pandemic, different measures are taken, on board, are taken on board, on foot of advices and so on, on foot of experiences okay. from other countries. Um, but suffice to say that the, the school setting really is very important for the overall development of a child. Uh, that's why I was so passionate about keeping, getting our schools open and keeping them open. Are you, it's confident, not just they, about, are you confident um, yes, that they will stay open? Yeah, we want to keep our schools open. Uh, we want to, I would like this year to be, you know, we went from September to, to, to next May, June. Um, and we were interrupted last year, obviously, because of the Alpha yeah. variant and the impact that that had. You can never be certain about anything in this pandemic. But the importance of education to the child can't be understated. And to be fair to both government and public health working in unison with the rest of the Doyle, by the way, and the entire Optus, yep. uh, we, we all share that objective and that value. Uh, can you assure country. parents that schools will remain open and that, that kids will be going back to school after Christmas as yeah, usual? Yeah, that's our... I mean, again, yes, we want, we want to keep our schools open. OK. Um, housing. We know there's a housing crisis. We know that there's no let-up in this anytime soon, despite the Housing for All plan. Um, Bank of Mum and Dad, we heard so much about it, that, parent, uh, that children, in order to try uh, and, and get, uh, get a home... Are, are asking their parents for help. There are those who don't have uh, the help of parents. There's, there's an affordability issue there. And is next year going to look any more brighter for them? Well, I think the first point, I think it, is, it will be better. Uh, certainly, this government's about a year and a half in. 
uh, in office. Uh, we were hit hard by COVID twice in terms of lockdowns, which suppressed construction activity, particularly in house building. That said, October of last year to this October will be the highest number of commencements uh, in over a decade, 30,000 uh, new commencements. That's hopeful. Uh, but also, Dar Dara Bryan, the Minister, has brought in good legislation around affordable housing um, in terms of the shared equity scheme. Mm. We have the head to buy scheme in terms of a scheme with the local authorities, all designed to bring cost rental so that people can rent at affordable rates, to buy houses at affordable rates. Uh, and so those suite of measures will help, along with the land and development agency that has been established okay. by legislation, again, to get more affordable I, houses I, built. I'm asking you yeah. this, Taoiseach, because um, a report out from KPMG um, in consultation with councils in Cork and Dublin was saying house prices are going to rise by 25% within the next seven years, and we're going to see rent rises too, and that the current housing for all plan won't resolve that. Well, they, I don't think they've said that, that the current Housing for All plan won't resolve that. And I don't, um, you know, my view is that uh, the Housing for All plan is the most substantive detailed plan produced by anybody. So, I right. mean... Okay, well, the data I'm, in the report, just yeah. to clarify, is questioning whether increasing the housing supply to 33,000 units a year will be enough. Well, well, we might have to do more. But I mean, if we can get up to 33,000 a year, I think that will be okay. a significant milestone. I mean, we've been doing about 20,000 houses for the last number of years. Obviously, COVID has had an impact. This year is going to be better than we thought. In, in other words, the, the, the industry has bounced back well. Uh, the no, workforce... no guarantees, just on people ah, well, who are, are looking sorry, for, look, No guarantees for, for next no, year that we're going to sorry. see any sort of let up. We have a huge significant crisis okay. in housing. Just, I want to finish this now, it's very important. Housing fraud is a very detailed plan, okay? Four billion a year is being put behind it by the government for the next five years and beyond. Uh, and we have a whole range of measures in, in play now. Our job is to get, and I have a develop, we have a delivery mechanism, the Secretary General of my government, mm. working with other Secretary Generals, are tasked with making sure that every work stream in relation to getting houses built uh, is, is delivered. That's very important for us as a country and as a society. And we want to get more houses built, as, and, and, but above all, to make them affordable. Okay. And also social housing will because be a big factor Because there's well. plenty more things. Um, we didn't even get on to the cost of, of living and all that goes with that and the pressures that are on many people yeah. up and down the country. Except but for now, Taoiseach, we'll leave it. Thank you for joining us tonight. Um, now, coming up next, our weekly look back at the big stories of the week. So stay with us. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Back. Well, I'm joined now by News Talk Breakfast presenter Shane Coleman, Denise Callanan, who's news editor at independent.ie, and by Crossy, a radio presenter from Dublin station FM 104, for a look back at the big stories of the week. Um, we're going to start uh, tonight with the interview with Anthishuk there, and I guess just around uh, before we came on air, that travel advice that came in from government um, saying that anyone coming from Great Britain, um, so England, Scotland, Wales, will be advised to undertake daily antigen tests for five consecutive days, beginning with the day of arrival, and to self-isolate with any symptoms. Now, we're always told, of course, to self-isolate if we've, we've any symptoms, but this is specific advice for people coming in, many people, of course, coming home for Christmas. A good idea, do you think, Shane? Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? And I'm sure there's lots of people who will be travelling home for Christmas who are going to be saying, ah, how am I going to... If you're getting home on the 19th or the 20th. But I suppose it makes sense. Um, like if, if people are coming from an area, uh, where, and we know there is... Uh, obviously, there's problems in the UK. Mm. If they're coming from the UK, maybe it does make sense. I, I, look, we've been way too slow about introducing antigen tests here. And I actually think probably the public has been ahead of the government on this. I, I know I'm using them quite regularly if, yeah. if I'm meeting people for you know uh, who I think are vulnerable I will do an antigen test even if I'm feeling 100% I think most people are doing that so I kind of think there's a logic to it I think it's it's probably yeah. the right move. Uh, people, uh, many people probably would welcome the fact that it's an antigen test and self-administered a lot of people as you say are doing it are, are doing it already so uh, a good piece of advice perhaps interesting that it's just Great Britain and it's nowhere else. Yeah I think that's the question to be asked to be honest Claire because I feel like we're at a point where I mean I think we're at a point where like, we're almost two years into this, should people not just be taking the personal responsibility to be doing regular antigen tests now? Like, I think so, but I think that ties in then with the fact that they should be heavily subsidised and they should be available to people, that they can do one on a Sunday night before they need to go into work if they have to on a Monday morning. Of course, morning. the government will say, well, they are, uh, well, they're not subsidised, but the, the prices the have come down. Although, them, yeah. you know what, I've been into plenty of chemists and I'm kind of seeing five for 30 and hard, hard to find them for hard to find them for two or three euros hard to find them. they're probably sold out yeah in those kind spots. of four euros each is kind of the cheapest i've been able to find yeah which is a difficulty so when they yeah. say the prices are low it's just whether you can get them at that price you would use um antigen tests quite regularly oh, am i like right my poor it? nose at this stage like <laughs> it's constant i use them all the time like i'm gigging probably three nights a week I'm out seeing loads of people. I'm going to work. We're still in lockdown and work. You know, we only have presenters in. Nobody else comes into our place, not even guests. So I always have to make sure that, you know, because I'm putting myself in those situations. I was at a gig last weekend. I was working at 600 people in front of me. I had an antigen the day before, the day after, the day after that. And I'm just going to continue doing it. I just mm -hmm. think there's, a, there's not, nobody knows how to do it. Not that many people know how to do it because there hasn't been this thing where this is how you do it. You put it up your nose this way, you pop it in this way, you wait 50 minutes. Yeah. I think there needs to be a massive, massive there's campaign. instructions though. Like, I mean, follow the instructions. We're talking about, you were talking, Denise, about personal responsibility. Like, read the instructions. Like, we're all adults. We're uh, all grown up. See, see, this, I, I have such a, a grow about this. A draw, like, a love that it drives me mad. I talk about it so much. Like, I see people at gigs, at pubs. I love a pint. I go for a pint most days. And I'm with a friend all the time. And I'm one day he's going to get a box because he's constantly like, mask, mask, 
all the time. People are idiots. Mm. And this is the problem. There is a lot of people out there who don't have skin in the game. Like if you don't know anybody who's a bartender, who works in the entertainment industry, who don't have, you know, I've lost so much money. Loads of people are going to lose loads of money this Christmas because gigs are cancelled. Yeah. If people don't have that, they don't have personal responsibility. They don't care. Okay, well, I guess uh, there's an element of that that you have to, you know, wear the mask because, like, you're advised to do yeah, so or yeah. take the ancient chest because we're encouraged now to do that. Yeah. Just on the issue of restrictions, I was asking the Taoiseach about that because he couldn't rule them out earlier, but then he couldn't say if there was a big plan or a strategy or if this doesn't work and we need to do something else, what that will be. Do you think there needs to be a clearer plan for people? No. Why not? Because I don't think... Like, what have we learned from two years ago? People are always saying, we need a plan, we have to have a plan. You cannot have a plan with COVID. But, you, but what, why not? Because everything changes every week. OK, I think so, it, so it gets worse, OK? So then is there not you, a you need react, then to say this is what we events. do when the numbers go to a certain I, I can place. totally understand why the Taoiseach isn't going to say what's going to happen in three weeks' time. Because I don't know, we don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow, never mind in well, three weeks' time. When we see the Omicron variant coming in, I suppose, with six cases today, we're seeing that it's multiplying every two or three days in the UK. Yeah. It's fairly likely, the HSE have told us it's going to become the dominant variant we sort of know what's going to happen with this. It's going to mm. blow up, isn't I it? I did Denise? like how in the UK they had their plan B in Britain, you know, like it's like this is plan B. It was, it was you know, laid out there for everyone to see um, like months and months ago. And then it was like, OK, well, guys, plan it B. How's it working out for them? Well, no, it's not working out great. <laughs> but, but, the, but the concept of... You can have as many plans of, as yeah, you want. But the concept like, of a Mike plan Tyson B... What did Mike Tyson say? Everyone's got a plan till you get punched <laughs> in the nose. But I do think the concept of a plan B is good. I do think the concept yeah. of plan B is good because last Christmas, everyone was shocked. It was only a day or two to Christmas and all of a sudden we were told, guys, you know, you can travel home after Christmas, but that's it. And that took, you know, people by surprise and it creates upset mm. and it creates stress. So I do like the concept of a plan B, I yeah. think. Also, um, the Theatre was talking very strongly that people should try and get that booster jab before Christmas. But it seems from the outside in, and I haven't been called up yet, that, you know, you could be getting, you could be getting it from your doctor, your pharmacist, if you're lucky, although I think many pharmacies are now saying come back February of next year, or you're waiting on either a walk-in or an appointment. It's not clear or straightforward, is it, Crossy? I think it's the whole messaging altogether. Even go back to the last point as well, you know, like a, another plan or a plan B. I think we just need one person to tell us what's going on. I think if you're watching the news, you're listening on the radio, you're watching online, sure, they're coming out every day with different answers and different, you know, you're going, who do I listen to here? Do I listen to here? Well, do I listen to that? Well, that's, I suppose, what the, what the government was aiming at yeah. doing, they say, um, with this decision. Um, now, they're not calling it a gag, of course, yeah. but to kind of streamline the messaging. I, I think that's brilliant. Are you in favour? I'm absolutely in favour because, look, look, I think we're all good. You know, we all work in the media. We know what's going on. We know what gets clicks. We know what works. We know what's all that. But if you're living in Navan or Kells or Moat or anywhere like that and you don't know anything about the media, like, I know people who are absolutely terrified won't meet There's anyone. A lot of people in those places who probably know about the Oh, but I, I know well, I'm from that. I'm probably going, most are going to kill people. They're going to yes, kill me now. they for, will. No, but they you know will. what I mean? It's just, I feel that there are people out there that are terrified, that are still washing their tins of food when they're putting them in. I don't know if there's many people like but that I'm now. So, I'm, I'm afraid there is people like that. And I, I think that mm. there has to be, there has to be some, just one piece of messaging. This is what we're doing. Right. This is the plan, lads. If mm. Omnicrom comes again... I like again, diversity of voices, though. Our like health it. voice is important, yeah. Denise. I think it's in the public interest that there's voices coming out from NEFET and the government. Like, that's what creates transparency and debate. And, like, that's what gets... You know, I think it's... I mean, it's up to the government to streamline their message, their messaging and their communications. 
um, you know, scheme. But I think, like, I mean, I like the fact that there's transparency in debate and people... I'm kind of in between the two. I, I, like, I, I think you, you, you can't gag people and you need to have multiple voices. I didn't think it's particularly helpful, though, when some members of Neffet were saying things that were slightly different from the government. We had some members of Neffet saying, oh, I'd be hopeful schools would reopen uh, in the year. And the government was saying, absolutely, schools will reopen after Christmas. Mm -hmm. I think it is important that they are singing from the same hymn sheet. And I don't think they've always been doing that. I think mm -hmm. that is a problem. But I don't want to see people gagged. I'm not sure you can... I, I know what you mean. It's a nice idea. I don't think you can just have one voice on this. I'm not sure it's... Life is that simple. No, who's the one voice? Is, is it the Taoiseach yeah. or is it is Stephen it the Donnelly? Minister? Is it, uh, you know, Neffet? Neffet have a huge role to play. And I, I, well, they do, I, because when I asked the Taoiseach tonight about various decisions that were made in our schools and elsewhere, well, that's what Neffet told us. That's what Neffet yeah. told us. Like, it, it always harks back to that. Yeah, I heard him saying that. And, I, like, I have a certain sympathy, though, because, like, he's not a he's not an expert. He's not a public health expert. Like, their yeah, line they is... They do advise government, to... though, who make policy decisions. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But they have to go by the, their advice. I mean, even Sinn Féin are quite... If you listen to Sinn Féin, they're very, very careful. They will mm. criticise the government. They will never criticise the public health advice, ever. Yeah. Because it... they, that's a fool's game. If politicians start going down that road, we saw what happened. It happened once with Leo Varadkar and he lived to regret it pretty the, quickly. The only thing you could say about certainly mitigation measures in school is the government were commissioning their own reports on the likes of ventilation and they came back in March of this year and said, yes, there should be filters in schools that need them and the government then ignored that, Denise. Isn't that part of the issue there? Yeah, the, the, I do. In terms of choosing who they were going to take their advice from. Yeah, I do think the schools has been a major issue, you know? Like, I do think that they should have been better set up by the time kids... I don't have school going kids at, at that age, but I do think that, you know, there should have been a proper setup mm. in schools with filters and stuff before. And the big, the big one now for um, the coming weeks will be the vaccine um, for, for five to um, 11 year olds. Uh, and the information campaign is going to be so important around that from talking to people, from talking to friends who have kids, Crossy, um, is the sense that there, there, there is um, an eagerness or that the parents are keen to get their kids vaccinated? I think so. I think the message has been perfect so far about vaccinations. Get a vaccination, we're going to get back to normal, you know, as soon as possible. I remember, I'm 33 now, I remember getting a vaccination when I was a kid. I forget what it was for, but I remember we were queuing for ages to get a vaccination. And I was saying it to my mum, even she didn't remember, but she was like, yeah, there was never any, you know, nobody was given out about it. It was just, mm. you know, that's what you got. You moved on, you got on with yeah. it. So I think, I think it's going to be key to have the right message for everyone to say, look, we're going to get back to normal eventually. Get the vaccination. I think it's key to have the right information yeah. as well. Like, I mean, there's parents out there, okay, we have, you know, NIAC, you know, giving the green light for kids to get vaccines. But actually, I think every parent has the right to think about their child. Like, it's very different to vaccinating yourself. Mm. And I think the most important thing now that happens is that the right information is given out and that because there's just so much misinformation and disinformation out there. And, you know, some parents get their information some, from some places and some parents yeah. get... So I think the challenge now for the government is really actually to give out solid, scientific-based yeah. information that people can make a decision And I of. guess, you know, for the most part, it's a very mild illness in children. And that's something that some parents are saying, there's very mild illness, my child had it, was asymptomatic, or we had it in our house and it was really mild. And the idea of vaccinating a child, well, I suppose it's not just one injection, it's two. And then there could be boosters and everything that yeah. go with this will prompt some uh, to wonder, is it worth it? Undoubtedly. Uh... I think we have to think of the public good, though, as well. I mean, um, for example, rubella is, is, another, uh, is another disease that, that all kids get vaccinated against. It's very mild in kids. We, they get vaccinated to protect mm. another cohort of society, pregnant women. 
and it, we do it for the social good. I think that's what people have to think of in this situation, for the greater good. The experts are saying, I, I don't know, but the experts are saying it is right that this yeah. happens. And, and I think we need to listen to the experts. And in the teenage age group, the take-up has been very strong, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been pretty strong. I mean, it's interesting. It has got lower as you go down every age group, and I suspect that trend, unfortunately, I suspect that trend will continue mm. when we get to the 5 mm. to 11-year-olds. Well, uh, there is a sense that there won't be the hard push because there are sensitivities involved with this one. Um, but nonetheless, it'll be interesting to see what way they roll out the information campaign. Uh, we're going to take a quick break now because coming up next is the party over for Boris Johnson. And did the Storm Barra alerts uh, go too far? Stay with us. Welcome back. My panel is still with me. Shane Coleman, Denise Callanan and DJ uh, Crossy who've joined us all tonight. Um, let's talk about Boris Johnson. He's in the headlines this week over the Christmas party of last year. Of course, he is still questioning whether there was a Christmas party or what that event was. We are hearing tonight um, from sources at number 10 that it was in fact an award ceremony for staff. Uh, it still involves a gathering of people at, at a time that, that, that Britain was in deep lockdown and that 650 people, I think, died that day, which puts it all into perspective. It, it's hugely damaging, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. When is a party not a party when it's an award ceremony, it, it would seem. It, 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 like, if this was in Ireland, he'd be gone because I just think the smaller society, the smaller community, I don't think it would be tolerated. My guess is he'll ride this out. I, 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 I'm not saying that with any degree of certainty because this is hugely damaging mm. and it's, it's rumbling on, it's rumbling on. I suspect he will ride out this storm and the fact that he has such and a why, so, why do you think he's going? I mean, we had Ant and Dec coming out as well, didn't we? Yeah. Like, they, they, they got involved and people said, right, this is serious now. Yeah, I, um, look, I, I, so I just think because of the size of the UK economy, I think these... Or the UK society, I just think these stories carry less, are less emotionally charged than Ireland. I'm not saying they haven't got emotionally charged. Yeah. I just, my guess is, my instinct is, he will ride this out. He, he's damaged by it, uh, without question. I just think people will move on from it at some point. I mean, there was a scalp in um, the government advisor, Allegra Stratton, who gave that tearful statement mm. outside her home yesterday in which she sort of, you know, was so regretful of the... What we saw was that video of the mock-up of how you'd answer the mm. question of whether there was a Christmas party or not. Um, but really, people would say, well, why did you quit anyway if there was, like, no Christmas party to be had? Yeah, um, I guess that video really, you know, it brought it to yeah. the next level. I think it just showed the, like, contempt, really, for people in the UK that had either been suffering or who had lost loved ones. And, like, I think I disagree with the emotionally charged part, Shane, because I feel like, you know, the people, that woman in particular, I can't remember her name, but she came out and said that was the day my mother died of COVID and she died alone. And I just feel like, you know, it's very unusual in the UK for people to come forward like that and to like share their human stories alongside political scandals. I think like, 
I think that that's really making it real for people over uh, there. There's absolutely those individual stories, and I'm not saying they're not mm. powerful. But if that was in Ireland, half the country would know that people, person, yeah. and it would it would have a multiplier effect. I'm just not sure that's there in Britain. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not a big issue. And it isn't emotionally charged, but I just don't think it'll be enough to bring him down. That's my guess. Yeah. I could be completely wrong. Well, he is bumbling Boris, and he's been through a million and one of these bumbles and, yeah. you know, scandals Does this so save far? him in a way, like this this persona that he is, you know? I think he it is. is that. He's, the, he's the clown. Everyone knows him as the clown. But I think the Anton Deck thing is a bit more important because the amount of people that sit in their homes every night and watch I'm a Celebrity in the UK is massive. Reality TV, people who would not know anything about the government, they're just, you know, going by the rules. And all of a sudden, two people in their home who they, you know, have some sort of a connection to don't have a connection with Boris, have a connection with them. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. Yeah, um, big story this week, uh, and thankfully it's over now without... Um, a huge amount of damage, but a lot of alerts around the place around Storm Barra that rolled into the country. Um, and, and we had the case where we had schools off uh, around the country. Now, in some places, they would have said that was completely warranted. Elsewhere in the capital, we had, I think, uh, we had we did have that orange weather alert, but it was uh, the following day then, it was, a, it was a yellow alert and schools were still off. Um, do you, I mean, they did say, look, this is, this is what we do. It's an abundance of caution and it was the right thing to do. Do you think it was the right thing to do, Shane? Oh, look, hindsight's great, isn't it? Like, we can all say, oh, it was, it was an overreaction. Imagine if the schools had opened and there'd been a couple of fatalities. A, a tree had fallen on a group mm. of... Uh, on a car carrying a couple of school children to school. A lot of the people who are giving out now and saying, this is outrageous, this is a disgrace, we overreacted, would be exactly the same people who are saying, it's outrageous, it's a disgrace, those schools should never have opened. So you know, I'm, I'm, always, I'm always amused at people who are so absolutely certain about these things. I wouldn't like to be making these decisions, and I can understand in the current climate... Uh, with social media and so yeah. on, that there is an abundance of caution uh, about but, these but decisions. But could that decision, do you think, Denise, have been made by individual school boards of management, judging on how things looked on the day? I mean, yeah. in Dublin, for example, we're back to yellow like, alert. I was speaking to a friend and we were like, like, I never remember getting a storm day or a snow day, you know? Like, I think there is, it's great that they were cautious. I do understand that. But like, there's status reds and status oranges and status yellows for a reason. Each of them have the advice that goes with it. I feel like sometimes maybe in a status orange it could have been, you know, put, push the responsibility onto the parents. If you feel like it's safe to get to school today, the teachers will be there to teach and your kid can go to school. If you feel like looking outside, it's not. Like maybe there should have been some sort of personal responsibility like that there for a status orange. Yeah, of oh. course, you know what people would say if that's what they did. <laughs> they say, they're abdicating leadership. You know, this is ridiculous. The government need to make decisions. Yeah. You can't win. You just cannot win. You can't with win with decisions. the weather. Well, yeah. the kids yeah. will be holding out for the next storm anyway. Um, <laughs> On to an interesting story from the other side of the world. And New Zealand has introduced a smoking ban. Like, it's not a smoking ban in public places or anything else. It's actually saying, for those of you aged 14 or under, you cannot smoke from here on in. You won't be able to purchase cigarettes. It's interesting. Like, it's... I love how New Zealand are always ahead of everyone else for anything that's going on. And we always look at it going, I wonder, will this work here? I don't know if it would. I think it would go underground. Mm. I think that's probably more dangerous than anything else that if, if people were doing that, selling cigarettes in the black market and... Well, they just, are already, of yeah, course. but I think it would be worse. I think it would be worse. I think, you know, the rules we have at the minute, the laws we have at the minute, I think are good. Like, I don't know any of my friends that smoke. They all, as we were saying earlier wrong, they smoke vapes. Vapes seems to be the massive yeah. things. And it's the trendy thing, which I find really weird. Like, I just 
cigarettes, vapes do so absolutely you don't, zero. So you don't think me. that there's necessarily a requirement for such a measure here that um, smoking perhaps isn't seen uh, I, I think it's as worth cool looking anymore? At. No, I think it's definitely worth uh, looking at. And, and like I accept, look, there will be a, a black market trade. But are we are we seriously saying thirteen and fourteen year olds are going to be buying black market cigarettes in New Zealand? I'm not so sure they are. I I think the, the great thing is we can watch what happens in New Zealand and learn from it. But I mm. I think it's I think it's worth looking at and worth looking at pretty yeah. closely. I, I, think they, I mean, the work. thing about it is they're fourteen or thirteen now, but it's for the rest of their lives. Yeah. So as the years go on, it's whether then again maybe they just don't take it up at all if you, if they can't buy them so readily. Mm. Well, I, cigarettes if if they were around today, if they were invented right now they wouldn't be legal. There's no way we'd legalise them. So why is it so outrageous that we look to ultimately uh, bring in prohibition for cigarettes? I think it's certainly worth looking at anyway. Yeah. OK, we'll have to leave it there. That is it from us. Our programme is available as a podcast on all major platforms. Uh, thanks to all my panel tonight. From the late team here, good night. Take care. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series.